Hello and welcome to the first episode of Disability News Japan, a podcast all about disability issues and disabled people living in Japan. I'm your host, Michael Gillen Peckett, and this is episode one. If I say it's episode one, there is an episode zero when I was getting used to the technology. And actually to know the context of episode one, it's worth going back and listening to episode zero where I read out a news report about a disabled man, a wheelchair user, who died after being trapped on a railroad in Kobe. As this is what we'll be giving an editorial, I'll be giving an editorial about today. Usually, I read out a selection of newspaper articles about what's happened in Japan this week or in the last seven days, and then provide some commentary. Today will be uh, just a commentary on the uh, the, the Kobe de- death I just mentioned. And the episodes usually drop on Fridays around 3 p.m. Japan time. That's around 7 a.m. GMT, I believe. And they drop every, they'll drop every Friday. You may, as I said, you may have had two episodes today because this is just the first episode. So I hope you enjoy. Written by Barrier Free Japan, a 73-year-old man using an electric wheelchair at a railroad crossing on the Hankyu Kobe line in Kobe City died on the evening of September the 16th, 2018, as a train hit him. The police said that he was not able to traverse the railroad crossing. Hirokazu Mukai, age 73, who lived near the railway crossing of the Hankyu Kobe line of Nakadori Nadaward Kobe, was hit by a train around 7.15 on September the 16th in the evening. It appears that he had tried to cross the railway tracks after the safety barrier had moved up, allowing him to pass, but he was unable to cross before the barrier descended. Mukai was pronounced dead at hospital. Whilst this was a sad incident, rather than a death that occurred through abuse or neglect, it highlights the difficulties the elderly and disabled face, especially when trying to navigate through the overcrowded country that is Japan. The safety barriers at such stations can often ascend, which indicates you can cross, only to descend a few seconds later, before even a non-disabled pedestrian could reasonably be expected to have traversed the crossing without sprinting to make it to the other side. The incident recalls a previous sad occurrence from August August 2016 when a 55-year-old blind man fell onto the tracks at Aoyama Itchome subway station in Tokyo, another death that could have been prevented if reasonable accommodations, in that case there being safety barriers in operation, had been made. To give such tragedies a context, according to the Land Infrastructure and Transport and Tourism Ministry, there were 3,673 platform falls in 2014 in Japan, not all resulting in death. That is an increase from the 2,442 incidents in 2009, and of those who fell in 2014, 80 were visually impaired. A survey of 252 visually impaired people by the Tokyo-based Japan Federation of the Blind in 2011 found that around 40% had experienced a platform fall in their lifetime. Around 60% said that they had experienced close calls. Many cited disorientation as one of the causes. 
the Japanese government is attempting to do something to help prevent such incidents in time for the 2020 Olympic and Paralympic Games. As early as 2011, the government had asked railway companies to prioritise the installation of platform barriers with doors at stations serving more than 100,000 people a day. From fiscal year 2011, the Japanese government also started subsidising 30% of the installation cost. The Transport Ministry hopes to increase the number of stations with automated safety gates to 800 from the current 665 by 2020, when Tokyo will host the Olympic and Paralympic Games. But that's no easy task, given the massive cost and technical difficulties presented by some stations. According to a Transport Ministry official, insulation can cost anywhere from several hundred million to billions of yen. In addition, given different types of cars in service, not all doors open in the same spots, making synchronisation with the gates a problem. The government also aims to improve the general accessibility of railway stations in time for 2020. In April 2018, the government announced its target of achieving full barrier-free access at major train stations, bus terminals and airports for the disabled ahead of the 2020 Tokyo Olympic and Paralympics. The step-free access rate at such facilities, with more than 3,000 daily users on average, stood at 87.2% in the year through March 2017. By March 2021, the government aims to boost it to 100%. The country also eyes raising the proportion of low-floor buses and other vehicles to 70% by March 2021, from 53% in the year ended March 2017, according to a five-year plan from April for people with disabilities adopted Friday, the last Friday in August. In the plan, the government vows to create an easily accessible environment and promote urban planning. However, it is worth pointing out that similar plans were announced by the then Tokyo governor, Yuichi Masuzoe, in 2013, and the plans announced in 2018 seem to be very similar to those announced in 2013. Hopefully, the government will improve access in time for 2020 games to help prevent such incidents from happening, or as Hiroshi Oda, head of the National Council of the Visually Disabled in Japan, puts it, I really do hope the government will prioritise spending money to beef up such safety measures. I just thought I would end this podcast with some further comments and conversation. Firstly, I live near the station where this wheelchair-using gentleman died. And all I can do is re-emphasise just how difficult it is to cross these sometimes the the barriers really do go back down very quickly sometimes as little as seven seconds ten at the most and when that happens it's usually usually because well i don't know why it happens exactly but sometimes the barriers will go down and no train appears and then they'll go back they'll start moving back up then suddenly there'll be another siren saying the train is actually appearing now and it will immediately redescend down stopping you from going during the meantime you could have been halfway across and i don't know how that works because if if it's automated i wonder is it done according to a train timetable or is it like a preset time or is it a motion sensor that makes it go back down i assume it's a motion sensor that tells when a train is coming there must be a manual override but really it's quite easy to get trapped in the middle of these, ba- of these barriers as you cross. 
And one other thing I would point out, something that's confused me, that uh, my local JR station, and I live in between Kobe and Osaka, there is a safety barrier. If you get on the track that goes to Osaka, there's a barrier. It descends when the trains arrive, you get on and it descends. And so when you're waiting, it's very difficult to, to fall onto the tracks. But it's only on the track going to Osaka. It's not on the track going to Kobe. And I'd be very, very curious to find out, imagining oneself as a, a whoever's in charge of deciding where they're going to allocate resources to build barriers, given that you're saying, right, this station will have a barrier, why only put it on one track and not the other track? I said, maybe it's a budgetary thing. Maybe, maybe it was physically impossible to build one on the other track. It, Japan has a lot of mountains, I suppose, and a lot of different type of terrain within one area. Where where Kobe is, is where we are in Kobe, where this gentleman wheelchair using gentleman was where I am. It's on a mountain. Maybe is that the reason why you can't build two? The, the terrain's not right. That it wouldn't be safe at the station. And when they do build them, they take a long time to build. I was at a Juso station at Otaka, which is on my way to work. And a few months ago, about June 2018, they started building a safety barrier on the train going to Takarazuka from Juso, which is in Osaka Prefecture. And, well, they built the part of the barrier, the bit, the kind of a bollard-like thing that connects the barrier together in June, and then didn't do anything for two months, it seemed. This may have been because they didn't want to slow down the human traffic, the people using the barrier, and were waiting for quieter periods to use it, to build it. And I have some sympathy with that, but I would point out that at some point, if you're going to make a station accessible, you may actually have to close down the station and just get it done, rather than do it very slowly. Anyway, that's all really for this this week. I hope you enjoy, hope you enjoyed. It's not a not a pleasant story, by the way. There, there will be nice stories. It's, there are positive things going on compared to British Rail, where I'm from, Britain. JR is doing a much better job in many ways. But as I said, what when it doesn't do a good job, when the safety barrier isn't there, when there isn't an elevator or escalator, it becomes very noticeable because it isn't there. So anyway, that's the end of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed. Hope you'll listen to episode three when I produce it next week. Friday the fifth will be when the next one drops, and it's probably going to be about the four sterilisation cases. So if you want to read the website, it's barrierfreejapan.com. And uh, thanks for listening. Bye. 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 Bye.